Fuck, I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> So Sebastian, so you, yeah, so you led one of the, the T4ETs. It's something that I've been thinking of quite a lot recently, and I've been having lots of chats with Joel and with some other people about as well, is the realization of how amazing our training and training ethos are in UIP compared to the corporate world. And um, how it's not, it's not that training is bad in the corporate world. It's that it's, it's almost as if the NGO sector has it way more advanced in terms of the way that we do experiential or action-based learning, the way that we debrief sessions, the way, and all the different tools that we use for training. For us, training is never a webinar. In the corporate world, uh, very much, you know, uh, a training is, you know, let's all jump online for an hour and listen to this person talk at up talk at us so i guess a question i got for you is at that t4et what was the thing that you did that was the complete opposite to a webinar so something in which you designed some kind of like learning experience because i'd love to kind of like pick into your mind to see how you thought about that kind of design experience i i love the premise of your question because it's i've i've been stunned when entering the corporate world how bad the quality of learning experiences and how spoiled i was with being in eyp um in terms of the environments where you can grow and learn as an individual um mm-hmm. and i i think thinking about it and maybe that's my answer for the t4et the the sheer amount of time that people put into trainings and passion and consideration is unseen or events in the corporate sector. And a little bit of that is also just an efficiency thinking that what is the amount of time that I can put into given the resources that I have. And I've never asked myself that question in EYP about is that investment now worth it? It was always in you put as much as until the point that you're happy with the experience that you're providing beyond your mm. like capacity that you thought you had. Yeah. I can hit us with an example. So like, what specifically have you put in a lot of time to try to create in the training world? So I think the the awesome thing about events such as the T4ET that has like a a long time span is that you can think about the whole learning journey from the moment that people enter the event uh, or even when they like decide that they come to the event towards leaving the event again. There's a whole story that you can Mm. build and like a holistic picture. Um, And I think a lot of more values that you can instill and sprinkle all over the journey instead of of having, you know, like this is the the coolest module or webinar ever. And like here in an hour, this is going to change everything. But here you can stretch it out and you can think about like if if something is so important that we want people to leave with it, then it needs to happen ten times across that learning journey. I think there's also a really interesting thought about that in a way that how do the trainees approach the thing? Because in a corporate world, you're kind of they're paying you to go there and listen to someone, but you're not really engaged with it most of the time, at least in my experience. 
of course, there are exceptions to this, but in EYP, it's more of a, you're lucky to be able to be a participant of something like the T4ET. Like it's a privilege and you're really excited to put effort into it instead of it being like a break of, in a way, a break of what you're supposed to be doing, which is your work. I mean, this is specifically a reason why I was never really happy with the word training because it somehow implies a little bit of a consumerist thinking of I'm attending something to receive training on something, whereas mm. everything we know about learning, it doesn't go this one directional way. And and webinars, again, we'll come back to it, are very much this uh, unidirectional uh, approach to learning. And And if you're attending a session as a delegate or as a chair so it's never like this that you come there and now you're leaning back and waiting what's going to happen but you're really into it you're engaged you're trying out things um, so the setup is very different yeah that's true and it's only recently that i've actually learned to put words to this kind of stuff of what we're discussing of like different approaches to training. And I guess the words that would be used in learning would be a behaviorist approach versus a constructivist where behaviorist, the idea is we need to kind of give somebody a behavior. So I tell them to do this, they do this, they do it again, they do it again. Now they've remembered to do this or they've remembered to say this and now they know it. Whereas more this constructivist is the idea that we all construct the world around us we construct knowledge and so everything has to be led by the learner and for me the biggest realization where of like connecting this term to what we do in uip i guess would be debriefing because that's what the essence of debriefing is it's saying you've just lived in a, an event an experience something there has happened now you need to construct meaning and bring learning outcomes from this and debriefing is like the heart of everything we do in UIP. And so, yeah, I found that just amazing that it was as if we we do things, but without realizing that this is kind of cutting edge learning theory and only certain kind of companies out there are now starting to try to apply this in one way or another and really see themselves as like the leaders in learning and and training and development and stuff like this. Whereas in EYP, we just kind of like take that stuff for granted. Yeah. For all those EYPers that are ab about to end your career, be ready because it's going to suck. <laughs> like <laughs> the training in my company, I work for a database department of an insurance company. And the training that they gave me beyond the first introduction to the job was basically just a corporate-wide, here we are to convince you that these are our values. And it had nothing to do with what I actually did. It has some like dilemmas about customer service in the insurance field. I was just like, this has nothing to do with my work. So mm -hmm. don't take everything in EYP for granted. I'd, I'd give it a different spin. Like I've had a similar experience and I think that we we don't even realize the extent of knowledge that we have that isn't there yet in the corporate world uh, that we can contribute and where and actually like I, i'm thinking this really big where a transformation can happen in the corporate sector and is waiting to happen and it needs wisdom and ex like people that have experienced a different kind of working like that openness that collaboration and that kind of debriefing 
And I think that's something really, really unique. Yeah, uh, to that I can completely agree. Um, in my in my current company, in my current role, m- me and a colleague, we we, we kind of call ourselves the tree shakers. We we shake trees and watch the coconuts fall. Of you know, there is something kind of established. There's a certain way of doing things right now, and then we kind of go into this and just throw everything up in the air. And a lot of where things I start to either criticize or to give feedback on or to realize this needs to change kind of comes from my time in EYP and understanding the way that we do things and how do I kind of take these things and start to apply it to the what they want to do and it hasn't just been like a pushback instead we've been going forward and we're literally changing the whole company's learning strategy uh, this year is going to be completely different the way that people learn towards the end of the year compared to the way they did last year. And this is literally implementing EYP stuff at the workplace. So I think definitely for anyone moving from, let's say, their student life into their work life and maybe disheartened a bit like Joel was saying there of like, you realize things are like really, really different. Um, I guess, yeah, it, it is a challenge to you can take on yourself and say, actually, I have an extra nugget of knowledge that could be really helpful here. Have you have you kind of experienced something like that before where you've tried to implement something? Have you had some pushback or how has that been for you? I've been maybe three weeks in my first corporate job. I've been uh, redesigning the whole onboarding experience of our company. Uh, we're a 500 people company. And it ended up that like before that, my onboarding experience was in a like a little bit of like Joel explained in a dark room and uh, we tell you now what your values are that you need to believe in. Uh, and we changed yeah. it into an an actual onboarding camp where people, uh, whoever joined in Europe would fly to Finland, uh, have go into a summer cottage, cook together, have sauna there, go for a swim, have team building activities and talk about what the values that we want to have as collective. And so in, in essence, it was just a team building experience from EYP, copy paste in, into a corporate sec- setting. And the organization was really, really grateful for that, that contribution. And that was a really awesome experience for me. That's incredible. And I think that's something that could be replicated by a lot of EYPers. And you don't have to have very extensive experience in the organization, you haven't had to uh, be the head trainer of a T4ET to be able to come up with some sort of a compact experience for new people to feel some sort of togetherness and value in being there. I think a lot of a lot of us could go into our first jobs in the future and be like, well, <clears throat> in my experience, this wasn't very good. I could teach you to do it better. And mm-hmm. if your employer says, no, that's crazy. You're in the wrong firm anyways. <laughs> like you don't want to work true. there if they're not willing to take feedback and give people opportunities to improve things or at least take the chance to see what mm-hmm. they could come up with. It's a whole new world out there. <laughs> and I, I think that's another skill that we practice a lot in EYP is how can I bring in feedback and maybe even criticism in a way that it's easy to digest to the recipient. Um, it's probably not always very easy for even companies or people when someone comes in and says, oh, well, this is shit, why am I doing it? Um, 
Mm. So like going this extra step of, of thinking about how can, how can I bring in change in a way that I can inspire people and motivate people is, is a part of that journey. I think that I've learned a lot in UIP as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that, I guess in the corporate world, they call that change management is how, how do you go from the current state A to then moving them to that new state B? And in UIP, we kind of have to learn to do this constantly because we're always, every time that you want to try out something new or every time there is a structure that you're going to be using that isn't the current structure, you need to understand how do you work with different teams, different stakeholders? How do you gain um, some kind of cohesion on this, some kind of collaboration? And the way that we do it in UIP, we just feel like, oh no, this is a natural thing. Of course, you know, I'm not just going to randomly do X, Y, Z. I'm going to work with people to get them here. Whereas once again, you go into other spheres that aren't like EYP and that isn't the norm. People then need to kind of step back and start to understand what is this change management stuff? How do I learn about this stuff? Whereas this change management skills, training skills, the way that we perceive working with people is ridiculously advanced in EYP. And I think, yeah, we definitely do not give ourselves enough credit for the way that we do things in our NGO. I'd like to start spinning this more again back towards EYP because uh, we're talking a lot about how this is very amazing and how we can do all of this stuff in EYP by default. But I've had a lot of experiences with very experienced EYPers, very big names that completely failed at any sort of feedback to their team. Mm. I've had like multiple experiences. I actually a part of myself as a leader has taken this failed um, boards that just didn't give any negative feedback during the session. And then they just slam you with an evaluation that just planned to ruin your career. And it's just like, well, excuse me. I know I could have done things better. We could have talked about it instead of you just trying to shoot me in the knee. Um, and I remember with our experience in Ukraine at the T4T with Sebastian. Sebastian, why I wanted him in this podcast for our listeners, is the person that I look up to the most as a feedback individual in that I met in EYP. I remember there was a there were multiple things at the T4T that I wasn't really satisfied with, and I was pretty vocal about it as. I tend to be. And I remember this one conversation towards the end of the training that we were having and we were talking and talking about it and coming up with things that could could have been improved, things that could have been done better from both of our sides. And then I reached a point where I was really not satisfied with something. And but I was like, well, in this conversation, like the, the amount of respect that we have for each other is, is the level I'm, I'm totally at the place where I can just take this as a like a laid back. I have no need to be angry about being disappointed. So I just said, I have things that I still am not happy with, but I don't have a way to tell them constructively. So I'm not going to say anything. And the way that an average EYP leader from my experience would have taken that would have been some sort of an insult of 
uh, you're not happy with what I'm doing, just just fuck off. But Sebastian actually celebrated that that learning experience of being able to be. I don't have a constructive way to give this criticism, so I'm not gonna give it. And that really just washed over me when I was mulling over it. Like this is how we should really approach feedback in EYP. Even though we talk about it a lot, it's EYP is thousands and thousands of people. Not everyone has the experience to receive feedback in a constructive way. And I think that's something extremely valuable that I really like to spin off about a bit more. How, what about you, Nathan? How, how has your experience around being able to give and receive feedback from people? Hmm. I guess I would say a very mixed experience. I think in general, um, my experience in EYP is that we do have a strong feedback culture and there are many times in which certain people have kind of stopped me and given me certain feedback that has really expanded my horizon. It made me aware that I was doing things that I wasn't aware that I was doing. Um, I can think particularly back to like 2013, 2014 for me when I started to get into my my time where I just wanted to try new things. I wanted to test. I wanted to experiment. And a lot of feedback I got around that time was around innovation for innovation's sake doesn't drive progress. Finding problems and then wanting to solve them and being creative in your approach can be a really great way to do that. And like this kind of receiving feedback in this kind of way, or if I even think back to my first time chairing back in like 2011, um, I was always the person in the room who would always want to kind of come and throw ideas, throw ideas, throw ideas, and always kind of participate. But I would be taking up more than 50% of the talking space in the room. Um, and then I had a president who said to me, you've got so many great ideas, and I want you to reserve only the best for our team. So have a try of writing down all your ideas. And when you get to three or four, take the best one. And that's the one to share with us. And I was like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. I understand this. And then he, we had a little bit of chat about the impact of when I share all of my ideas, maybe other people have so many ideas that are either overlapping, that won't be able to be heard or things like this. So then me being more and more aware of that stuff, I was able to then shape my behavior and then shape myself as an EYP. So I really feel like feedback that I received on so many fronts has really, really helped me personally develop and that's why i loved learning in uip what is the best way that i could also be that voice of feedback for others to give them similar opportunities i think it's the the culture of feedback that we have in uip is something that i share cherish tremendously i think there's so much learning happening at so many different places whether it's uh, debriefing or whether it's um, with with officials at, at sessions or trainings. There's so much wisdom there. I think one one downside of like celebrating feedback so much is that we're sometimes forgetting that um, or like it comes becomes an implication that we should always give feedback and that we should always be ready to receive mm-hmm. feedback. And we have an assumption that others should be even grateful for feedback. Uh, whereas Receiving feedback sometimes can be really hard. Even formulating feedback can be really hard. And that is a process. And um, 
valuable feedback, uh, like really thought through feedback is I think way more productive than a quantity of feedback that hasn't been really considered. That for me is a, is a big learning that I tried to implement in, in, the, in the various positions that I've been in to, to think about how can I integrate feedback um, and a culture of feedback without making it a, a, a mandatory thing, a force thing for both sides. Well, what's your opinion of, um, of when feedback happens? Um, after I left UIP, I then joined Apple. And with Apple, they have this in-the-moment feedback. And everything is about in-the-moment feedback. As soon as something happens, you can feel free just to say, cool, can we have a quick chat in the corridor? And you pull that person and you give in-the-moment feedback. And throughout all my years in UIP, I never felt feedback that quick or that proximate to what has happened. Um, in UIP, I always felt like feedback was a thing a lot of times that happens at the end of a session or that happens at the end of a day or that happens at the end of something. So what's your opinion when it comes to this like proximity of the feedback itself and the event in which the feedback is kind of feedbacking on? Mm -hmm. so, so there are two things that I want to highlight there. One of them, I think in feedback loops. And what you're speaking here is that you have a really, really like small feedback loop. And then the smaller the things are, then like, the better it is to, to speak about them as soon as possible. And then for certain things, you might have a bigger feedback loop. Like for um, the way you're organizing a session, there are certain things that are fixed. And it's probably not productive even in a way to have that feedback loop within the session, but rather than afterwards. So there, um, so, so intentionally having different circles that you're going through might be helpful. And then the bigger the circles are, the more con uh, feedback becomes conflict. Um, if feedback isn't being heard at some point, it becomes conflict and it gets way, way, way more difficult to engage with it. Um, so I'm a huge fan of, of um, voicing feedback as early as possible with the consideration whether that moment is a good time. So if, if your colleague comes to mm -hmm. you and asks that, can we have a chat? Is there a culture where it's accepted to say, actually, I don't have capacity for it right now. Can we talk about mm -hmm. it tomorrow? So I think that is a really, really crucial part in that setting. That's very true. I mean, what is your experience there? Like, do you enjoy that culture of getting that feedback straight away? I, I did. <clears throat> I, I, I feel I definitely did. Um, but maybe that was because EYP molded me into a person who expected feedback constantly and who who was like driven on that feedback. And I remember, yeah, within my first job with Apple, my uh, my boss would um, would constantly give me feedback like all the time, all the time. But then every week he would remind me and say, Nathan. I don't give anyone as much feedback as I give to you. And it's not because you're doing bad. It's because you're so easy to feedback. I can just give it to you and you are happy to receive it and you want more. And he just wasn't used to having that in other people. So then he would like constantly work with me in that stream. Uh, but maybe, maybe it's because of certain experiences that I've had in EYP. Maybe not every EYP feels that same way. Maybe certain people, due to certain experiences, certain negativities, or certain things they've gone through, um, would, let's say, be overloaded with that amount of feedback. And if that person isn't taken into account, as you said, like the capacity for the person to receive the feedback, 
then maybe they wouldn't have had the same experience that I did with this like very, very small or closed loops constantly. Yeah, I mean, in our conversation, I was thinking about like just this weekend, my girlfriend was giving me feedback on something and it, I completely <laughs> didn't have space for it. And, and you know, so there, like for me, there's a, um, there's a, a huge variety of when I really, I'm, I'm in flow of when I get uh, feedback and it's such a, a gift to, to understand how my behavior has impacted the, the world around me. And then there are other moments where I get pissed off when I hear it. And, and so I can totally understand that um, someone like your boss is very like grateful for someone who has capacity to, to get for it, ask for it. Um, and then maybe also like take action based on the feedback that you're getting. Yeah, I think it's a very important thing to consider uh, when you're doing sessions, like who you are giving feedback to. Like think about it on an individual level, whether you're a team leader where you can maybe have chats with your team and its members and to figure out how you should proceed feedbacking individual people or if you're just a delegate of the session and you want to talk to the organizers like who to approach with your feedback who's the correct person when to approach it when are they in the correct mindset and how do you then phrase it in a way that is useful for them because it's one thing to give feedback and it's another thing to give feedback that is given with the intention of the other person receiving something from it. Yes. And I think it's so at that point, I remember, I think towards my last couple of years in UIP, that was something I talk about a lot and have lots of really cool discussions about, which is the difference between feedback and justice. And it's not something that's apparent at the beginning, but when you really think about it, a lot of times when you're like, you are, I need to give this person feedback, it's like, well, do you want to help their personal development? Do you want to help their growth? Do you want to help them become more aware to the situation? Or do you feel like telling them that they've done wrong or they've had certain impacts because you feel a sense of justice that they shouldn't be able to do that stuff and not be aware of what they've done or they shouldn't really understand how they've made you feel by what you said. And there is a fine line between the two. And I feel like the two are closer than we normally think about. And for me, that was something I started to do, which was if I wanted to give someone feedback, I was like, okay, am I seeking justice? Or do I actually want to give them feedback? And if I want to give them feedback, what is my reason for giving them feedback? Uh, I had a very, very difficult experience around this very specific topic. I was a board member at a session and one of the chairs, uh, they exhibited some very sexist behavior that was making a lot of the other participants uncomfortable but in a way that it was clear that from a cultural point of view, they thought it was the correct way to do it. And me as a Nordic person, everything in that realm is completely unacceptable. And it was very hard to take myself from, I want to make sure that this is less of a thing in EYP and this isn't done without it being talked about. And 
giving something to that person that could help them. And it took me, I think, like four days, four full days to put myself in that mindset. The session was already ending at the time I managed to click myself into, okay, now is a good moment. Now I can feel myself not seeking justice for all these people that were harmed harmed by it and actually try to give something to this person regardless whether they're i mean it, it was there's also this question of whether they're ready and willing to accept something like that when it's something that goes against their personal culture there's a whole thing of giving giving feedback to someone giving it as a gift for someone to learn from when you perceive it as something that they might not want to learn about because it goes against their personality in some way. It was a very tough, tough place to be in. But I'm it it made me grow a lot as a feedback giver. So I'm very, very satisfied that I end up ended up doing it. I don't of course I can't know whether it ended up being something that affected this person maybe i should contact them like hi did, did this talk ever with that we had have it have any impact on you uh, that that could be very interesting way to also learn more about the things that we do maybe we should do that more in EYP. like talk about the feedback that we've given after a time to the people that we gave the feedback like was this useful to you because we kind of just assume that feedback is useful, but we don't take time. At least I've never seen people in EYP take time to come back to me and ask, was the feedback that they gave to me useful to me? That's never a question that's been asked for me. Yeah, there's certainly, like what I hear from that, there's a, a wide range of like the word feedback that we use what we're using it for and what the intention behind there is. Um, I think from the example of having, being in a leadership position and seeing values that you strongly disagree with, like sexism, um, there, of course, there is the feedback maybe to be given for that person to grow, but there is also feedback that is valuable for in that in that role of holding a lot of needs in an in an event at the same time and where it is really important that such feedback bubbles up even if it maybe isn't oriented at growth for that single person but it is needed for the whole the whole collective of people to to acknowledge that um i wanted to say that because i'm i'm very strongly um, agree that we need to think about when are people capable of taking feedback to grow. But that is, I think, just one flavor of feedback that I see there. Another one is information about impact. Um, and that isn't always yet, um, that doesn't always depend on that person um, who's receiving it, but it there's more to that person of the collective that we're speaking of. Yeah. Then it gets a really fine line between giving feedback and just take giving, bringing discipline to members of your team. 
that can be a very tough conflict. But I do agree that it should be done. There are a lot of cases where there's really, really unacceptable behavior that goes against the values of EYP in general being exhibited. And that needs to, the leadership often does need to take action for that. But is it EYP? Is it EYP feedback at, at that point? And how should that be approached differently? Yeah, that's interesting because if you think of the word discipline, discipline is about um, I'm going to be setting certain boundaries and I'm going to be, um, I'm going to make you realize in more of a harsh way where these boundaries are in order to exert behavioral change. I want your behavior to be different to what it was just now through discipline. And I guess you can kind of see the good cop, bad cop kind of like this. I guess that's the thing that comes to my mind where you've got your bad cop, which is discipline and your good cop, which is feedback. Where feedback, I guess in my heart, is it tends to, it tends to be mainly towards this, this personal growth, these uh, making sure somebody's more aware of the situation, uh, bringing light, something like this. Whereas, I, I kind of find it difficult to to place feedback in that kind of realm of, I'm going to make sure that a situation is like this, um, and using feedback for something that's not personal growth. And I know, like you said, there's special like there's there can be multiple flavors, but then when you start to go into those other flavors would we still call that feedback? And I don't just mean like semantics of, okay, do we name it this? Do we name it that? But kind of going with the ethos and the philosophy of what we believe feedback is for and why it's here. Um, is there another flavor of it that we can truly say that this is the same spirit of feedback? Uh, let me give you an, an example, a concrete example, so maybe then it's easier. So in that situation of sexism at a session, as a leader, I could say, there's something about this situation that makes me feel really uneasy because I'm incredibly caring for all participants and I'm holding that responsibility. And it's really a frustrating situation for me because I want to make sure that everyone is safe. With that. Uh, so that just this would be feedback given on impact on you without enforcing any opinion or any behavior on others and yet you're making public what the impact has been maybe that person was ready to receive that feedback or not but voicing such a thing as a leader has an impact not just on the person but also on the person who has been affected of sexism to to hear that there's someone in a leadership position holding that that need seeing that need um, and and acting on it and then, of course, you can take like set boundaries, as you're saying. But I think that feedback has a part in there as well, a crucial part. So through that example, I guess I would then describe feedback as a structure or a tool um, in which beforehand, when I would think about feedback, I think feedback, personal growth, like the two of them, I couldn't separate them. That is what it's about. But I guess here, what we're talking about is saying that Yes, the main way we use it, that is its aim, but it's a tool or it's a structure we can use that could address other things outside of that. Yes, for me, the the, the focus 
on feedback can be individual, but it can be the organization as well. Um, and it can be the, the session collective. Like we need to have a feedback structure within all of those circles. Um, because we don't just want to grow individually. We want to grow as an official team, as a session and as an organization. Yeah, in EYP, we usually, like I would kind of 98% of the time we talk about feedback, it's person to person. And this takes it very above that. It's no longer you having an individual conversation with one of your team members. It's something you're having with your team or the whole officials team or even the whole session. And then maybe even bring it further than that having that conversation with the whole organization, whether it is at the BNC meetings or in one of the Facebook groups that we're having conversations in these days. And that brings a lot of, uh, a lot of elements into the whole, holy whole thing, whole feedback thing. So a lot of feedback that I've heard being given in EYP, um, I can relate it to terms like shame, seeking justice, um, had a couple of others in my mind, but yeah, that it can be very easy to go down that, down that limit of I'm doing this as a negative thing for you. Um, even if I have a positive intent, even if I'm like, you know what, I want to give somebody some feedback. I think it's going to help their grow. So I go in, um, but it could be the way that I phrase it, the way that I structure it, the way that the person then receives my feedback is taken as I'm shaming them. I'm trying to seek justice because they've done something and I'm now exerting this negative thing. So have you got, um, I don't know, maybe some top tips, maybe some ideas in which somebody could use in which they don't fall that down that rabbit hole, believing that they do have this positive intent, that they are, that they do want to use feedback for a constructive purpose. And are you thinking of the feedback giver now or the recipient? Uh, either way, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a big fan of feedback as a as a pulling technique where people would pull feedback instead of we're pushing feedback um of course that is like there's a fine line because we very often want to share something as well um and there then i think having the intention crystal clear and we're a little bit repetitive you've mentioned it now um so nicely about what is it that i want to achieve with that um, having that crystal clear, both for requesting feedback and for um, giving feedback. Um, I also, I've experienced feedback very evaluative very often in, in EYB. Um, very, both also in a very positive way, right? And it, it's great as a leader to, to tell somebody how awesome they are. And it's, for the person, it's really awesome to hear. And even though it, it's, it, there's probably a bit more of an ego play involved there on, on both sides. Um, so having that intention crystal clear, and I, I think a lot about is, is about practice. I think there's been, for instance, uh, a feedback guide written by Chris Tripp and Maria Manolesco. I think you've had both on the, on the podcast that I'm still sharing with organizations today and uh, in the corporate sector, uh, because I think it's just a brilliant piece of information. And there are loads of practices and trainings in there that 
can help that feedback on an individual to individual level uh, practice. One um, trick that I'm trying to use um, for receiving feedback is that I'm trying to remind myself that um, the impact is there already. And now the only question is, is whether I'm able and willing to hear that impact. So if somebody had a bad experience at a session, they've always already had the bad experience. You can't change it anymore. But now you can listen to it and just see it as what it is. By not being able to hear it, you're not going to change that experience. Um, so that helps it for me to, to just acknowledge about you're just trying to see what has happened. Yeah. Yeah. I And I really feel um, when I was first learning about feedback and stuff in UIP, I was actually surprised. And I remember being surprised uh, that feedback was about impact. For me, beforehand, I thought feedback was about telling you what you did. About, oh, you did that. That wasn't a good thing. And then I sort of realized that actually that, that that's judgment. That's me kind of summarizing your actions or your behavior and then me judging against that. And so that pushes you directly in that defensive position. Whereas if if it's like the two of us stood here looking out at a field and pointing at stuff and saying, oh, look, what's out there? Then you can't be defensive, defensive about that. It's like there was this impact. If it's impact that I felt, then you can't, you can't deny that. I, I, I have these feelings. I, I, I felt this way. Um, I'm, I don't presume that you intended for me to feel this way, but I'm just helping you become aware that an, a behavior that you exerted had, a, had a certain impact. And that impact that I felt was not the most enjoyable. So maybe we can work together to try to find another way for this. Okay. So on that note, feedback, do we suggest, what, what was your opinion of suggesting a way forward? or leaving feedback as it is? As in, would feedback be just purely, I'm going to share with you this is the impact it had? Or would it be also, I share with you this impact, and let's work on a, on a solution, or a work, let's work together to try to make this a different way? Well, what's your opinion on this like solutioning part? I think it's really difficult for people to hear feedback if, it doesn't come with a sense of a suggestion of what, what might have been done to make it different or what could be done in the future uh, for it to be different. Um, I'm, by no means, I want to say there should always be a solution. I'm just thinking that a clear request makes it easier, I think, to receive feedback. It would be so easy to live in an optimal world where every time we have some feedback to give, it will be requested from us. Uh, I don't know. In EYP, it's more often not the case. Uh, you're working with very, well, you're working with people that have worked with our, within our framework before, but most EYPers, most officials that do EYP have not done 20 plus sessions. And this kind of feedback culture where you request feedback from someone with actually a true heartfelt intent of 
learning about the impact that you've had instead of just getting expert expert uh, advice on your techniques or your your how other how you are perceived then uh, that's a very very different thing and i think we still need to be prepared to offer feedback in times where there's a risk that it will not be able to be received of course we shouldn't push that feedback if the receiver feels like they won't be able to receive it but we should still offer it yeah i find the the conversation about when to give feedback and pull versus push a very nuanced conversation um, where it's very easy to go into the trap of saying that well i said before it should only be pull and um and that would be so nice and then whenever feedback isn't given in a system in a collective there is some tension hanging there some 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 impact that hasn't been seen by the group and maybe that doesn't have any consequence but if it happens again it it will like add up and and slowly grow there so um it's for me like the the less feedback is given the more foggy the room becomes um and you see less what your impact is of and of the consequences and um so i enjoy the, the culture of feedback where we're just exploring practices to do it often and so that that doesn't happen but it's a it's a very fine line i find and i i think one thing i found quite interesting what you mentioned there joel is how sometimes if we were requesting feedback it could be more we're requesting some guidance or tweaks on our technique as opposed to wanting to know what actual impact has happened because of our behaviors if i think about if you're a board member so you're a vp or you're a president you're going around room to room checking out the chairs and uh, the chair's always like, oh, okay, um, have you seen what's been happening? Um, any cool tips? Uh, what do you think I should be doing here? Stuff like this. Um, and it is that sense of um, what they kind of want to hear is, oh, yeah, if you just tweak your thing like this and do X, Y, Z, then things would be perfect. Um, as opposed to wanting to hear, well, when this and this happened, this person and this person were then silent or this person disengaged and maybe that wasn't a great feeling for them. Um, and seeing that them as a chairperson have taken certain decisions and those decisions have had a negative impact on certain people in the team isn't necessarily what they're trying to open themselves up to. So then I guess that's a, that's a difficult one, yeah. And I, I don't really know the answer. As, as a board member, how could then I go into one of those rooms, um, approach my chairperson and work with them for them to want to receive or want to expect the kind of feedback that we're discussing as opposed to just some kind of tweaks on my chair and technique to make me a better chairperson. How, how do we instill that culture if it is about instilling a feedback culture to get us there? I mean, what what popped up when I heard you both speak was that we need maybe sometimes less feedback and sometimes more awareness about what coaching and expert opinion is and where it has its place so that we can also differentiate it. Because I think 
I've I've learned tremendously much by people that just had a a lot of knowledge on certain topics, like giving feedback, where they could give me those valuable tricks and to really point out how, like this is how I see feedback and this is how I think you can use it. Um, and then take it and then I try it and then at some point they give me feedback but to to understand when do I use which I think might be helpful yeah and I think as with most of this kind of cultural things it when it comes to a part of a leadership team or part of a leadership and their respective team it usually does need to come with showing example like showing the chairs team that you are there to receive feedback. How do you seek feedback and what what's the difference between asking for feedback and asking for, in a way, the board members often don't ask for tips on how to lead a chairs team, but like what's the difference between between asking for that and asking for the impact that you've had? And then give the feedback also be visible maybe even sometimes giving feedback to each other often feedback is this one-to-one thing but if you're really trying to instill a culture maybe it would be a valuable tool to also give feedback amongst your board with it being visible to the whole team or the whole officials team to be able to facilitate that culture and i i guess kind of going back to what sebastian said it is it is this understanding of the difference between mentoring between coaching between feedbacking between when these different activities take place so if if something has happened and somebody feels a certain way and certain things need to be addressed then that is a situation i guess where feedback is a great tool to to the news and then is finding when is the best place to use it how do i structure this how do we work together etc but then yeah i guess in situations where the classic thing of uh this is the current situation with my committee what do i do next i guess this is the perfect opportunity for a coaching conversation when we say okay well what have you currently planned okay well what do you think the impact of that is going to be okay is that what you're looking for perfect then go for that it's more of that kind of coaching conversation where other times maybe someone's coming to you for their expert advice of um i'm trying out disney method what what, what's your past experience because i'd like to i'm doing xyz topics so then as the mentor you can then, then kind of come in and help with that expert advice so yeah i guess it is just what sebastian was saying of um maybe we do tend to use the word feedback for situations in which it's not really about feedback there are other tools other kind of methods that we can apply at that time and feedback has its time and place for certain objectives Uh, but maybe there are certain things that we start to use the label for that maybe we shouldn't always yeah, fully agree. I think that would reduce confusion a little bit and this question about um, maybe this technique argument about when to use feedback and what to use feedback is maybe just that we don't have the, the same understanding of what what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. 
Something that's always fascinated me in UIP is that some people get really, really into something in a certain topic, a certain niche, and um, it may have been something that triggered it or something beforehand. And I love to kind of catch those stories. So Sebastian, like what, so when I talked to, to when I was speaking to Joel before, he was like, "Yeah, Sebastian's the feedback guru. We need to have a chat with him and stuff because this is going to be awesome." So, what led you down that path of actually wanting to research more on feedback, wanting to truly understand this, and then try to formulate this within different trainings, etc.? I I simply cannot pinpoint it. Um, it's for me being. Being in EYB has always been to grow myself in many different directions that I couldn't anticipate. It's like a, a it's like a playing field where you're constantly failing and trying out new things and and constantly getting encouragement and reassurance and and for me this like opportunity that I had to try out different things were were so fueled by the feedback that I've received that helped me grow. And I like when I I was thinking a little bit about the podcast today, I I what I remember most in EYB are the moments of debriefings where there was such a sense of community and togetherness and learning, both on an individual level and on a on a collective level. Um and the, I hold those moments very dear. And I thought that the the quality of those conversations depends a lot on how we're giving feedback. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because if you if you have a culture in which, if you have like a feedback culture, that's a culture in which we we want to have our eyes opened to how people are feeling that's in essence what what we want to kind of move towards so if we do live in this space in which we like understanding how people are impacted by certain things that are happening then that creates the perfect space to explore debriefing because once again that's what debriefing's about is these different things have happened this is how people felt because of these different things that happened so this is now what i understand from the current situation and so this is what i would like to do different because of this and all of that path very much follows this feedback culture yeah i like that and like you've now really emphasized the individual level of of that gaining that insight and that capacity to learn and then on a collective level um when we do systems design at, at work we think of three systems at the beginning, which is decision-making, uh, feedback system, and conflict systems. And decision-making in EYP is trivial because we are quite a hierarchical uh, structure or, or usually like more very clearly defined roles. And then the the feedback culture, we learn a lot with the debriefing and we establish of how does that go. And then the conflict one that, that you only need if your feedback conflict, if your feedback system fails, um, so I, I, my experience is truly that the quality um, of feedback that a group can give um, absolutely defines their ability to collaborate and their ability to feel togetherness as a community, um, and so forth. Yeah, and I think that's really important to 
also bring up as a topic to the network that you as a feedback giver, it's not only your place when you're in the leadership. Like it's also in this flat hierarchy of when you're a chair in a chair's team and you see another chair or a journal or an orca do something. And I think that's something we could do a lot better of a job facilitating in our feedback culture and this same level or even bottom up feedback because most most of the feedback we give in EYP is from top down and that could that could boost the experience and as Sebastian said the level of cooperation and um, success working together to a whole new level if we brought this part into our feedback culture more intensely. But it's also important to keep in mind that even though we three very experienced EYPers are talking about this in this mindset of we are in EYP to constantly develop, that's not something a first-time chair or first-time official comes to a session with. You need to do a lot of EYP to reach that level. When you're first-time vice-presiding, you're doing it mostly to kind of just push yourself and you you've enjoyed this thing. You're a, you're a first-time chair. You enjoyed a lot being a delegate and you want to you wanna do this fun thing again, but in a new fun thing, trying something else. You're not there to constantly edge yourself forward and you might not even be prepared to experience knowing how your behavior has impacted other people especially if it's in a negative way that is a good point which a lot of people do come into EYP just for a bit of fun right you got people who are there that they're on holiday at the moment or they're getting this time off school whatever (laughs) they're here they're just here to have a bit of a laugh have a bit of fun so it is true that people at NEYP are on a huge spectrum. Some people are there for that hardcore personal development. Some people are there to chill out with friends. Some people are there because you get to skip school if you get to do this, you know. Um, and then based off of that, I guess that means that we have very different people who are prepared at different levels to then receive different feedback. So I guess that that does go back into the conversation we were having before about that capacity to receive feedback and that readiness to receive it. There is a warm feeling about it. I think that I shared it with my dad of what I'm doing today. There is a nostalgic feeling about or something warm about being in a community, even if it's just the three of us, but then listening to Maria speak about it, that is quite lovely. And and then I think one of my concern was about the whole podcast that I had was that it's me as an oldie who has been past the organization now saying how things should be done. And I think one, one thing that I really enjoy about EYP is that there new people can come and do things very differently and there is no obligation to follow any procedure that I'm now sharing here today. And I think what I've heard from Chris and from Maria, there wasn't at all a a flavor like that of 
but really just sharing their experience and have, that I've enjoyed.